Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We're talking wide receiver projections for Terry McLaurin and Rashad Bateman on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Roto-Viz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz. We will be talking through some wide receiver projections tonight. Uh, I was present while Curtis was doing a little bit of research here on uh, Terry McLaurin, and he actually started laughing. So I am very interested to see what this stat attack could be. But Curtis, how are you doing, my friend? <laughs> Okay, we got to get right into this FFPC stat attack. One of my highest exposure players in best ball to this point in 2022 is Terry McLaurin. So that's one reason I, I queued him up for you in uh, today's episode. Dave, I want to see what your pass through projection machine shows for him this year. But in his three seasons, he's caught passes from eight different passers. And three seasons, <laughs> this poor freaking guy. Um, so, you know, Carson Wentz actually is an upgrade on anything that he's had. And and I, I think, you know, the, the lack of certainty in Washington has depressed McLaurin from um, what actually could be an improved situation for him this season, both in terms of the quarterback quality and also maybe uh, a slight lift in the surrounding talent. Um, so th- that's that's why I've, my curiosity is there. In uh, an underdog, I'm 26 percent exposed to McLaurin, so I'm I'm in pretty heavy here in Best Ball Mania. But Dave, I want to see how many of these eight passers you can name. I'm going to set the over under at four and a half. You think you can get more, or or you can you, you uh, over under four and a half. I don't think I I don't I don't know if I can get over, so I'm gonna say I'm probably gonna end up I, under. I'm take I'm taking the under. I think you'll struggle to get the I think you'll struggle to get the yeah. fifth guy. So let's see what you got. All right. Uh Colt McCoy. Yes. Seven targets from Colt McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's crazy that that's <laughs> the first one you pull out. Tyler Heineke. Uh yes, Taylor Heineke. Uh, Taylor Heineke is actually yeah. he he he's had more targets. 124 targets from Heineke. That's actually uh, his most frequent uh, battery mate there. Yeah. Is Dwayne Haskins in there? 
He is 98 targets from his former uh, Ohio State uh, teammate as well. Yeah. That's so there, three. There's one that should be fairly obvious, I feel like. Um, no, no one else that you've mentioned has uh, targeted him more than 52 times. So, All right. I'm just going to name some scrubs that might have been hanging around. There was Blaine Gabbert there at any point no. in that mess. Um, nope. I really should get this next one. Um, Case Keenum, I don't think was. Yeah, Case, Ke- oh, Case, Case Keenum. Keenum. I'll give it okay, to you. There it is. Uh, I right, was right. not confident, but I will give you that. I'll give you the name. <laughs> right. 41 target. Yeah, 41 targets from Case Keenum. Yep. That gets you to four. If you get a fifth, I'll be pretty impressed, man. Uh Washington quarterbacks. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Mm. Okay, this guy, I'll start giving you some hints here. Right. This this is the obvious one that I expected you maybe to have gotten. This guy had a horrific lower leg injury. Oh, Alex almost, Smith. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I should have known. That's the one that I knew was obvious and I couldn't place. All right. Why don't yeah, you just I, tell I me was the really, rest? I was really excited that you got Colt McCoy. When you got Colt McCoy, I actually was worried that I was going to be wrong on the under. Oh um, yeah. Okay. So, so the other, the other guys, uh, Kyle Allen, mm. 31 targets, mm-hmm. Garrett Gilbert, four targets. And the eighth guy is not even, well, he actually was a quarterback in college, but he's no longer a quarterback in the NFL. Logan, tight end. Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas. Yes. <laughs> Logan Thomas. One, nice. one target from Logan Thomas for a cumulative AYA of 28.00. That had to have been a touchdown. Uh, yes. I'm sure it was a very exciting play. So anyway, um, you know, the point here being that, you know, Terry McLaurin has definitely not had a chance to settle in with, with anyone. Um, I, I would argue maybe that is even a replacement level talent mm. uh, at the quarterback position. And, and while Carson Wentz doesn't resemble uh, his first couple seasons um, in, in Philly, at least lately, um, he was a pretty good downfield passer, uh, in Indianapolis last season. And, you know, that does, you know, sync up well with, uh, where McLaurin, uh, tends to, to have his most success on the field. So why don't you talk me through a little bit of what went into McLaurin's projection, you know, where do you have him figuring out? And I'll see if all of this investment that I've made, uh, is justified. Yeah. So, I think the first thing I'll say here is that if you're doing a projection for McLaurin, uh, you can't expect that you're going to see him getting solidly into that wide receiver two type of range. I think that if you're drafting him, it's because you are expecting or hoping that you can get this step forward with Wentz, who I agree probably is the best quarterback that he's played with even this this iteration of Wentz. Historically, McLaurin has been, by and large, the team's main target. Uh, But first thing that we'll do is we'll look at the play volume. Now, last year, they had 535 passing attempts. I think that offensive coordinator Scott Turner would like them to build upon that. This year, I'm projecting around 550 passing attempts, so a little bit of an increase there. Nothing too wild. McLaurin should probably get somewhere around 24, 25% target share. Uh, As a rookie, he was at a target share of 23. He's had 25% the last two seasons. 
Um, I set things at 24 just to capture a little bit of the uncertainty that you're going to have with the other wide receivers in this offense. I think that you're still going to see Antonio Gibson getting to nearly double digits. McKissick should be over 10% pretty easily. So that's a pretty high volume going to running backs. I have Dotson actually coming in around 17% uh, as the wide receiver too. But I think that regardless of how you slice things up, we can look, we'll look at a high end scenario, but McLaurin should have around 13 um, yards per reception on his career. He's been um, at 12.8 or higher every season, averaging around 13 and a half. I held it at 13. Honestly, that half a yard difference won't really push the needle on 77 receptions. um, As I do think that he's had a pretty low catch percentage year over year in this pairing with Wentz. I'm I'm capturing some of that uncertainty, but I do have him getting his highest um, receiving touchdown percentage since his rookie year coming in with a receiving touchdown percentage of around 7%, which would get him to six touchdowns, Curtis. When you put all of that together, that produces a line for McLaurin of just over 1,000 yards So I misspoke. I have him with 82 receptions this year, six receiving touchdowns. Now, I think that that to me feels like, you know, a pretty average type of scenario. Would you agree? And then we'll see if we want to try to adjust it up or down, which direction you're interested in. Sure. So you you went 82 receptions and six receiving touchdowns. Yep. Okay. Uh, so we're, and then over a thousand yards. So, I mean, yep. he's, what is he like 200, 220 PPR or something like that? Yep. So the point total that puts him at wide receiver, um, 29 with 225 PPR 225. points. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, why, why don't we talk through maybe some of the ranges and then, um, I'll see if, see if I can move you using some of the advanced stats and maybe the yep. range of outcomes. Not that I want to influence your projections because yep. I do not want to wreck the process, but um, actually at wide receiver 29, um, you know, I, I think that to me feels like the floor uh, okay. for, for a player like this uh, more, more than the ceiling. Um, so certainly hope that I'm correct on that with, with as much as I've invested here. Yeah. So let's try this. Let's say that we could get him up to 26%. Okay. And then let's say that he has a good connection with Wentz and we'll give him a catch percentage of 64, moving him up off of the 62. I may have misspoken said I had him at 59. I was looking at the wrong section. Uh, And then yards per reception. Let's say it's 13.5. I think that, you know, is probably the spot that it has the least impact here. So we'll just give a slight increase in the receiving touchdown percentage. What if we can get that up to 8%? Well, I'll tell you what, Curtis, we're going to go 9%. Okay. This shifts his line to now 92 receptions, 1,242 yards and eight receiving touchdowns. If that were to happen, McLaurin takes a big jump up and moves into what would be the wide receiver 14 with 264 points. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. To, to me, I, I think if I was going to set the set the range, uh, you know, that actually feels great. I think wide receiver 29 to wide receiver 14, that actually does feel like the the range for me. 
Um, but I don't know that he's necessarily being drafted as, you know, a, a borderline, a, a guy who has borderline wide receiver one upside. Now, what is the, what is a low end projection right. look like? Because maybe I'm not really taking that into account enough here. I would say that a low end projection is probably not so much driven by a big shift in market share. So we'll put him at 23. It's probably more in a lack of touchdown scoring. Um, Because if I change, as I mentioned, the tweaks to the yardage won't really move things that much. If we put him on 12 yards per reception, a catch percentage of 61, which is down a little bit versus where I would have had him, but nothing crazy. And then a receiving touchdown percentage, if that were to drop down to 5%, for example, and he now ends up with 77 receptions, 924 yards, and four receiving touchdowns, we're going to see him coming in. I have to go find him here quickly as the wide receiver, 39. Yeah, I just I would be just flabbergasted to see that scenario occur. I mean, he's he's been at 130 plus targets uh in each of the last two seasons. He's he's been uh between 77 and 87 receptions, over a thousand yards in both those seasons, and five uh receiving touchdowns in 2021, four in 2020. And again, doing that with multiple offensive coordinators and you know nearly an entire lineup's worth of quarterbacks. Um so to to me when you also consider your notes on Scott Turner, maybe wanting to expand the passing attack uh, this season, it's kind of hard for me to, to see the floor going below what we've already seen in the past two seasons. So that that's kind of been my, my personal argument for selecting where he's, where he's been going um, on underdog in particular uh, to shine the light on, on that there, you know, his wide receiver uh, ADP is currently positionally, Wide receiver twenty one uh, is going at, at the the four or five turn typically in the in the late fourth most often. Um, so that, so that's where you're really you know you're getting McLaurin. He does have the the week fourteen by late in the year. I think you know maybe one reason that he's sitting there in the fourth round rather than the early fourth or even the late third is also you know the contract dispute that's still kind of hanging out there. Right. But assuming that he's there on day one. Um, and has a chance to build that rapport, you know, with Wentz starting in week one. I don't, to, to me, this kind of feels like, this feels like the the ceiling year for McLaurin. If we're going to get, if we're going to get one, right. Uh, so, he could be a guy that's already, he's could be a guy that's already maxed out and it just doesn't yeah. really matter. The, the counter to the argument is that he just is who he is, regardless who's throwing on the ball. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I will say this. If you look at the range of outcomes tool, it actually ends up with a pretty similar outlook for McLaurin um, with the historical distribution score, which is where it's looking. So the range of outcomes tool is looking at the distribution. And then I have a scoring system with the distribution being his matching players and the point totals that they scored. It puts him, you know, in that middle range of being a wide receiver three, but the very much Curtis, the largest portion of his distribution lies between 10 and 15 points per game, um, which is I think where that projection would have him. He does though have, this might help you out a little bit. He does have seven matches that managed to get to around 17 points per game. So I think that if we're going to see that ceiling performance for him, that's probably where it's going to come. 
Um, I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head where I think that those 17 points would put him this year, but I guess I would agree that if there is this step forward and he has the best year of his career with Wentz, uh, there's definitely a decent chance that he outplays substantially where he's currently being selected. I personally, though, think that he's going to finish closer to where that projection and that large distribution of his range of outcomes fall. Okay, so Dave says Terry McLaurin... Dave's projections say yep. Terry McLaurin being overdrafted at, at wide receiver 21. He gives two thumbs down to my uh, high exposure uh, to McLaurin. Well, I'm definitely, let me caveat. You right? don't have to like every move I make. No, no, it's I'm okay. Not saying that, but no, all the time. I need to put this out. So again, though, <laughs> the projection process does yeah. not equate to my rankings. In my rankings, I would have him situated closer to wide receiver 21 yeah. of his ADP than my projections would. Because uh, when I'm going through this process, I'm not capturing that upside that I think could be there. And I agree. I don't think... I think that there's not as much downside with him this year of falling far away from his ADP versus the upside of him far outpacing it. That makes sense? Uh, yeah, I mean, it does. We've talked about the fact that, you know, uh, projection and, and rankings uh, do have some separation. I, I think situationally and contextually, I just kind of see this a lot like the Colts offensive situation last season, except without a running back that you would want to lean on like <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. Yep. So, you know, Wentz is going into a situation where, you know, the, the, the running game isn't as strong as it, what it was in Indianapolis. The team probably will have to throw uh, the ball a little bit more being in a, a division with other explosive offenses, which is another departure from what he was in, in the AFC South last season. Now he has to face Dallas twice. He has to face Philly twice. And he has Brian Dayball to catch up with, in, in New York, so much different division and different surrounding cast. He really only had Michael Pittman last season. And, you know, Pittman obviously burst onto the scene as a, a, as a result of, of that situation. I think McLaurin is a superior talent um, to Pittman. And we saw from Pittman, you know, 88 receptions, 1,082 yards and, and six touchdowns uh, in an offense that um, only threw the ball 502 times. Uh, and you're projecting about 10% above that. So, so those are kind of some of the reasons that, that I'm on McLaurin. And I, I, I tend to think that he is being drafted in the middle of his range of outcomes, but I just really feel like, I just feel like this is a player that uh, does have that, that high end wide receiver to um, upside as a potential uh, intersect of high target share um, and, you know, efficient production from the best quarterback situation he's had. So we can, I mean, we can move on um, yeah. to the next guy because this is a, the next guy. I feel like everyone's clamoring to draft him. He's just skyrocketing up the boards. It's Rashad Bateman. Um, the year two guy had a little bit of a, a delayed impact as a rookie uh, for, for multiple reasons. Um, a little bit of injury situation. We had some quarterback um, Mary go around a little bit in Baltimore last season due to Lamar, Lamar Jackson's health. And we see Hollywood Brown exit the picture with the trade, the massive trade uh, in the NFL draft, sending him out to Arizona and Bateman 
I mean, he's in-house favorite to just, you know, gobble all of that up. And he's got even maybe more chain-moving sensibility than than Hollywood had. So it, it remains to be seen how he'll factor in versus Mark Andrews. It's a team probably that's still only going to support two pass catchers, but so much funnels through those guys. I'm really interested to see what you have for Bateman. He's also a pretty high exposure for me. I want to take a look at that real quick uh, so I can keep track of <laughs> how these projections are are grading uh, my exposure. So in best ball mania, I do have 17% uh, exposure. So about double the expected uh, exposure to Bateman. So another another player that's kind of sitting in my top 12 wide receiver exposure. So hit me with it. Good investment or bad investment? Well... Oh God! If I go over two in this thing, man. Yeah, yeah. So here's the unfortunate thing. (laughs) I'll phrase it like this: I personally, uh, just before you know, we hit upon it. I have been taking Bateman when I get Lamar Jackson. I have, I very rarely taken Rashad Bateman outside of having already drafted. Lamar Jackson. Now you look at the Baltimore offense. We know that it is going to be one of the teams that does skew more heavily towards the rush than the pass. I can't guarantee that things finish out like that, but I would highly suspect that we see them rushing more. The good news for pass catchers in Baltimore is that their overall play volume, I think still ends up being over league average, which prevents them from being one of these teams that has, you know, like a troubling, troublingly low amount of passing volume. Uh, I kind of take that back though, because they actually do come out though. Curtis is the second lowest passing volume team in my projections. On top of that, Mark Andrews, I have with a 27% target share. Uh, When you work through distributing out the rest of the offense, I think that you would still expect somebody like uh, Devin Duvernay, who's probably going to be the wide receiver two to get around 13%. The team's wide receiver three and wide receiver four should be somewhere around 8%. Just knowing how these things work out, J.K. Dobbins could get around 9%. This leaves Bateman with a target share of 20%, which I think that one could argue is way too low, but we will explore that. With a catch percentage of 65%, which is similar to where he would have been in the past, lower yards per reception around 12 and a 7% receiving touchdown percentage, he finishes as a wide receiver, as the wide receiver 44. Now we've seen one year from Bateman, last year did have a 68% catch rate, that was on 68 targets, I think that scales back a little bit with more targets, had a receiving touchdown percentage of just .02, only one receiving touchdown last year, and 11 two-point yards per reception. As a result of that, Minus the decrease in catch percentage, which I think is very justified. This is actually a fairly reasonable projection for him, getting him to five receiving touchdowns. I know that you like Bateman. Let's see what happens. Even if we get Rashad up to a target share of 24% and we hold those other variables constant, we're looking at a player that then gets up to six receiving touchdowns uh, 944 yards, and this would still put him in the range 
of it's probably going to be wide receiver 33, which is better, but still not where I believe you would like for him to go. If I really juice these numbers, say he gets to a catch percentage of 66%, manages to elevate his yards per reception up to 12 and a half, and can eke out one more touchdown. So if I give him a receiving touchdown percentage at 0.08, uh, which is a pretty solid percentage, that would I'm actually going to have to move bump that up more. Um, let's see, if I put it at 0.09, I think that should get him to seven receiving touchdowns. This would make him the wide receiver uh, 29. Moral of the story here, Curtis, is I think there's a lot of work to do unless you see the Baltimore offense come out and pass a lot more than I would expect. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. All right. Um, I want to push back a little bit. Let's and, do it. And see, let's see if we can tweak this one. So, um, in Hollywood, well, I think it, it really starts with this question. Yep. Um, the question is, um, is Rashad Bateman going to be the runaway wide receiver one in Baltimore or not? That's really, that's really the discussion because if, if he is and nobody else kind of infringes on that and it's going to be the Bateman and Andrews show, like it was the Brown and Andrews show, then I think that these projections are too conservative. So it really just comes down to, you know, is anybody going to bump in to Bateman? I think on the current roster, it's it's highly unlikely. Now, Baltimore has been linked um, periodically this offseason to Julio Jones. Yep. And so uh, he's not there now. But if he were to be there, you know, I could certainly see, you know, Bateman maybe being down in that, in that 20% range where you've got him. But if I look at all three seasons of Hollywood Brown, with Jackson, which, you know, obviously overlaps with the Mark Andrews tenure as well. Uh, I mean, Marquise Brown's cumulative target share, and I'm using the NFL Stat Explorer, you can do uh, some really cool stuff with our weekly Stat Explorer. Um, His cumulative target share 2019 through 2021 was 24%. So that gets us to what was your, your high end. But if you remember, Marquise Brown's rookie season, people were pretty disappointed uh, with, with his involvement in the offense. If you look at the last two seasons, now he's up at 26% cumulative and the icing on the cake being in 2021, 27%. So I do think there's a couple more percentage points we could eke out. Just also thinking about the types of players that they are. 
I would expect Bateman to have a higher catch percentage than Hollywood Brown based off of the type of targets that overlap with his skill set. Yep. Um, the most. Um, so I, I don't know how uh, his a dot or um, air yards per target and potentially the yak, how all of that would uh, intersect with or, or overlap with what uh, Hollywood was doing. But those would maybe be some things to to take a look at. And and if I look at the the raw target volume, even, you know, in 2021, Marquise Brown was wide receiver nine in targets um, as a function of that high team target uh, percentage. So I would like to hear for experimentation purposes, what happens if we push Bateman into that 26, 27% range, maybe bump up his, uh, bump up his uh, catch rate just a little bit versus what we saw in prior years for the Baltimore wide receiver one. Yep. Um, you know, anywhere from three to 5%. Uh, just as a function of a, a, a lower uh, average depth of the target. And let's see what happens there. Okay. So last year, 63% catch rate. I'm going to bump that up to 68 yards per reception. We're at 11. If we, they're at 12.5 currently, I had it lower than that. I'll tell you what, Curtis, I'll even bump it up to 13. I don't think we need to do that. I don't, well, I don't uh, think there's any there's not, I don't think there's necessarily a case to do that. I mean, okay. Bateman did get 68 targets last season. Now they weren't all from, they weren't all from Lamar Jackson, but you know, he had 11.2 yards per reception last year. I mean, I think leaving it in that 11 to 12 area all just right. with us, maybe a slight efficiency bump in yep. year two is appropriate, but we don't need to get nuts right. with it. We'll, he did have a 67% catch percentage last season. Bateman okay. did. Okay. Bateman. Well, I think dude, 68 is pretty high. 68 is pretty high. I, ugh, all right. For the purpose of this exercise, I'll jump it up to 0.7, which is, that's not going to happen. Um, all right. 0.7. So 70%. Now the key thing we have to really figure out though, is where, what the receiving, where was it before? Where was it before? I think, I don't even remember where I, re- I think I originally had it at 64%. No, just put it, just give him what he had last year. Just give him, give him 68. Okay. And, and put the, and you can leave his you can leave his YPR uh, in that range where you had it in that eleven and a half range. All right. Receiving touchdown and, but just bump his, is what we got to yeah, talk bump about. Bump his target market share up to 26, 27 I have it at twenty seven. We might need to okay. up the overall pass volume for the team, though. Uh, I'm not. Okay. We don't even need to see that yet. All right. Receiving that's, touchdown that's percentage, though, right. Hollywood had a receiving touchdown percentage last year, 0.07. It was 12% the year before. Uh, Bateman's college uh, touchdown percentage was 12.9. All right. Um, on, that's 147 receptions. So, I mean, I think that's uh, that's reasonable uh, to consider. Yep. Now, if we were also want to consider, you know, what happened last year, you know, it gets a little bit, you know, dicier because... You know, he wasn't just with Jackson, but I think we right. can at least, you know, we've seen Lamar and his wide receiver one, whoever that be, produce a 13% before. So um, let's 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 take it down a little bit just because obviously the NFL corners are a little right. tougher than uh, the Big Ten corners. So let's just go. Let's just go. I don't know what you have it at now. Let's just go like at 11%. Woof. All right. 11% is very, very high. I just want to point out to people. Let's go 10%. We're going to do it. All right. All right. We'll, we'll do it. I mean, Hollywood Hollywood was already posting above those numbers. You know, we would expect the Baltimore offense to to have some outlier type results because 
they funnel these looks to, you know, just a couple guys. Yeah. All right. So, but, but 10 touchdowns for Rashad. All right. Well, that's what we're trying to do. So that's 10 touchdowns. How many is Lamar going to throw? You know, I mean, how many is he going to throw? That movement gets Lamar up to 30 passing touchdowns. As a proxy last year, our boy threw, uh, it was 12 games. He threw 16 touchdowns. Um, he did get to 36 back yeah. in 2019 and 26 and 20. Yep. I mean, all right. You know, last year was a busted year. He's hurt. Okay. And he averaged, he averaged 31 touchdowns the two seasons prior. Okay. So all of this work pushes Bateman up to wide receiver 14, but I think that's a lot of work. That's, the upside. <laughs> that's all that's Curtis the wants to see. It's it, it's all okay. So, it's a lot of work and and that gives, you know, Bateman like full credit for securing the type of um, the type of opportunity that Hollywood was able to earn. Yeah. And I mean, Hollywood Brown's proven to be a very good NFL wide receiver, but I, I think this does illustrate the the upside for Bateman and it's not getting irresponsible with any type of outputs that we haven't already seen in the Baltimore offense. What I don't like when I see projections that, you know, really kick multiple players in the offense forward on efficiency and, you know, massive changes in, uh, you know, total play volume or pass run rate. Those are the types of things that get crazy. All we're doing in this exercise is basically saying Bateman gets Hollywood's forfeited role and then produces like Bateman has. We're not saying he's going to produce like Hollywood did. Well, so, so I think, you know, from a, for a ceiling, for a ceiling perspective, yep. You know, you can see how people would be excited about Bateman. Now he's being drafted at wide receiver twenty-five. So after going through this exercise, I think you know, like we did with McLaurin, we go back and we say, "All right, where should the projection be? Are these good investments? And what say you, Dave Caven, master of all projections?" Yeah, no, I mean, I think Bateman is fine to be drafted <laughs> at wide receiver. 25. <laughs> I think that's fine. I do think though, from a projection perspective, um, it makes a lot more sense to keep him closer to where I have him. The final thing that I would say here is Where'd I you have him again. Where'd you have him again? Tell me again. Well, no, he ends up at wide receiver 44 with a 20% target share, which I think we could talk about the 20% being too low, but I think even if, if I put it at 23 okay. and I still, and I Name. still have his numbers juiced a little bit, over what they were last year, especially with that touchdown percentage. Um, okay, name I, your I charity. Name your charity. If if Rashad Bateman doesn't finish wide receiver forty three or higher, I will donate five hundred. Well, of course, he's going to gonna fin- no, no, no. I think he's going to finish wide receiver forty three <laughs> or higher. Forty four. Forty four or yeah. higher. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Though. I think the ADP of twenty five is in a mm-hmm. reasonable range. I've now lost my train of thought where I was going with this. That's all right. But, okay, no, this is what I was going to say, though. I do think that it's dangerous, though, when you start bringing players forward and you start putting them into what other players were able to capture in the context of the offense mm-hmm. the year before. I think that this is a more of a straightforward case, perhaps, 
than you have with other teams with the variables mm -hmm. that are kind of shifting here. And we know more about what Baltimore likes to do and how they like to operate than some teams. Um, uh, but I would, I would say this, my final thought here would be to people that if you're viewing Bateman as an entrenched wide receiver two in your mind as an entrenched wide receiver two, I don't think that that's something you should be doing. I think you need to realize that it's not guaranteed he's a wide receiver too. I think that's fair okay. because I mean, he thinks could bounce the wrong way for him and in particular on a touchdown rate right? Um, and, Which, touch, and touchdown share within the right. offense as well. Right. Um, so with know, that volume, so, so that, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's totally fair, um, but okay. I, I mean, I just feel like you know this episode should go like three hours now because I got to keep going down <laughs> my uh, I got to keep going down my list of exposures to find somebody that uh, our our projections are, are are supporting at this point. I think as as a a volume player right now. Yep. Um, you know these players in in best ball. Uh, excite me a lot. I can, I can make the case for why they would uh, jump forward in the context of their, their offense, McLaurin, you know, with the, with the better quarterback um, and, you know, Bateman with uh, the vacated opportunity and lack of other competition at the position. Um, if we were doing uh, a redraft league, I'm not sure that I would really want to take both of these players um, in rounds four or five, you know, where you're typically getting, getting them, um, but alternating between them, which is typically what I've been doing in, in the end of uh, round four and, and through the middle of round five, uh, it, it feels perfectly fine. So I think what I, what I'm really seeing here is that, you know, perhaps I need to be mixing in a little bit more Lamar Jackson. If I really do think that uh, Rashad Bateman is, is going to be, you know, 90% yep. of Hollywood, uh, this year. Right. So I'll leave you with this, Curtis, uh, McLaurin and Bateman across my portfolio of 33 teams right now that are in the puppy or best ball mania three. I have 9%, um, exposure to both of those players. So guys, okay, so, I mean, yeah, that's terrible. expected exposure. It's yeah. expected exposure, right? It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. Eight, nine percent. So yeah. uh, you're you're taking them, you know, when they're value and you're not forcing them. Uh, whereas for me, both of those guys have been, you know, targets. But I, I, you know, even just going back to last year, you know, this is no surprise to listeners, especially at the top of drafts. I mean, about half of the players that are available to me in, in either round typically don't find their way into my portfolio. I mean, in that top 50, I'm really only typically selecting, you know, 20 to 25 of those players. And these just happen to be two of the guys that, that make that cut. So, uh, I, this was really fun. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed this Dave, Dave grading my draft. So hopefully I can do better when we do tight ends. Um, Later this week, I have some interesting <laughs> names. Maybe we won't have to talk quite so long about it. Right. Uh, because a lot of the guys that you end up exposed to at the tight end position uh, typically uh, are later in the draft and and you're already kind of squinting at that point. So, uh, Dave, I mean, tip of the cap to you. We talked a little bit about, you know, all of the work that goes into our projections at, at rotaviz.com and, and you being the brains behind that. Also, just want to shout out uh, Blair for, you know, all the, the fine tooth combing that he does through that, uh, just to serve as a, a cross check Blair yep. Andrews. I mean, really keeping us honest and in, in everything that we do, uh, 
and I'm just going to continue to play the role of cheerleader uh, because for all these <laughs> players, because they, they all, they all look good. Uh, they all look good to me. So um, we'll be back later this week with some tight ends. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.